All right, let's do this one last time. My name is Drew Dodger, and for the last couple months, I've been doing a podcast with my good buddy, Jacob Heron. While we love film in general, with us being artists and all, we have a fascination with animation, and we decided to start an audio podcast after we both geeked out over the animated Transformers movie. We're not perfect, we've gotten names wrong, and we don't always agree on movies. But at the end of the day, we try to bring an informative and entertaining show to you all. And we'd like to welcome you to The Cellcast. Happy New Year! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me this morning is a man who, I guess really this afternoon, but anyway, joining me is a man who has a strange fascination with fish, Jacob. Why, thank you, and I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man who just happened to believe there are no cats in America. Welcome, Drew. Uh, that can't be right, because I live in America, and I had three cats. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. We've had uh, a very interesting, like, what has been like two weeks. Two Pretty weeks. much. We've, you know, sat behind the mics and started talking more about animation. We've had a very fascinating last two weeks with Christmas and New Year's, uh, coming back to back, uh, going to see family, uh, enjoying, enjoying family, enjoying presents. Starting a new podcast. Starting a new podcast, yes. If you guys are interested in that, go and check that out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, other than that, it's been a very interesting journey, as just kind of like our character in our movie we're going to review today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. So, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Well, that is a very good question. <laughs> I've been watching a little... I've been trying to get started back into Clone Wars since we now have, what, two months until season seven starts i didn't know that i believe that was just huh. announced yesterday uh, okay but uh i think that's about how long we've got till then so i've got to catch up on the three seasons i haven't watched yet oh, okay uh see i watched well on the other podcast we recently recorded well i'm not going to get into that but essentially i just recently watched apocalypse now for the first time yeah Keep an eye out for that review yeah. on the other show, but at some point in the future, yeah. But uh, in after watching that, I remembered there. I, mean, I kept thinking there's something about this is familiar, <laughs> and I remembered that there was an episode of Animaniacs uh. that was a parody of Apocalypse Now. Wow, called Hearts of Darkness. Uh, okay, based out of the title of the book, yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first time since I originally saw this season one episode, who knows how many years ago, that I actually understood the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> My word, this is a it's a crazy thing. Anyway. Yeah. Give that a look if you get a chance, because if you've ever seen Apocalypse Now, because that'll just blow your stinking mind that yeah. they pulled this off in a cartoon for kids in the 90s. Of course, we know how censorship was back then, but still. Yeah. All i got to say is, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The horror. The horror! <laughs> anyway, uh, what have you been watching? Man, um, last two weeks, I got to watch 
a, uh, a sh- actually both shows I've watched are on Netflix. So go check them out if you're interested. Um, the first one is a series. It's called Anahanam, The Flower We Saw That Day. Mm-hmm. And absolutely amazing film show, actually. Yeah. That centers around these former friends who are visited by the spirit of their dead friend, which happened, she died over five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now she's come back and she's only able to be seen by one person. Hmm. And so now it's his job to kind of get them all back together to give her, grant her her one wish. Okay. And the last episode, Bill, I'm not kidding. I'm not joking around with it. I bawled like a baby. It was so good. Such hmm. a good show. And yeah, I would highly recommend it. If anybody who's watched it, it's still on Netflix, so go watch it. The second one uh, is actually part of the part of the group we're both with on Facebook. Um, what is the group called again? Are you referring to the 100? Which one are you referring to? 100 Movie. 100 Movie Challenge? Yeah, 100 2020? Movie. 2020? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, uh, I, I saw this one. I saw a, uh, a review over it. Uh, I can't remember who was on uh, YouTube. And he mentioned it. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll give it a shot. And uh, it's called The Silent Voice, the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also on Netflix. And it's a pretty good movie. It's pretty good. It's very similar to Anahata, except you're not getting visited by a ghost. It's uh, basically someone being haunted by their past of what they did. And uh, it deals with a um, a young man who is struggling with his uh, struggling with depression, what he's done, and a deaf girl. Oh, and it's it's how they kind of they they both blame they blame themselves for what happened, and so it's learning to uh, grow past it, grow past what happened in the the, uh, the past, and it's it's a really good show. It's a really good show, and I highly recommend watching it. It's a little bit slow. The the first act is really good, really intense. The second act kind of drags because you're having to relearn, be uh, rediscover what everyone's doing and how people mature. And some maybe in one character who hasn't matured yet. Okay. And it's a interesting journey. It's a very interesting journey because they use these, this, um, they use the, uh, they put an X over the care, the uh, other characters in which our main character does have, does have no affiliation with. And so, yeah, let's just say it's a good film. Let's, right, I'm not trying to rush you. It's no. Just, I don't want to go too long. No, I understand. I understand. So, yeah, uh, the Silent Voice the movie, yeah, definitely go watch it. All right. All right. So, what's in the news? What's in the news? All right. So, I've got a few things here for the news. Apparently, uh, apparently, Mr. Miyazaki will not stay retired. <laughs> Now there's a surprise. This is the third time he's come back after he's retired. Yeah. So apparently Studio Ghibli has announced two new animation feature feature films to be uh, put out in 2020 with the iconic director Hayami Zaki helming the project known as How Do You Live? Nothing is currently known about the film, but it's expected to be released around the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. And there's no current... There's no current information regarding the second film that was announced, Mm -hmm. but only that it was it's being directed by Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki. Okay, all right, and so our second bit of news will probably be that to those movies in five years. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) 
Well, they're supposed to be yeah, released probably until longer, but still. yeah. I mean, we'll watch them, but we probably won't review them until we catch up to that in Miyazaki. Mind, yeah, that is true. Which won't be for another five or six years, R- I'm guessing. Roughly. All right. We'll eventually get there. All eventually. Right. All right. So, uh, now, as most people know, I get my information from animationmagazine.com. Mm-hmm. So, if you would back check this information, go ahead. Uh, according to that same site, the box office winners for 2019 and I'm going to give you the only the top five, is primarily Disney, like usual. No, that's not a surprise. No. They put out the most animation. That is true. You get the, quote-unquote, the live-action, giving you yeah. air quotes here, of the live-action Lion King remake, mm-hmm. Toy Story 4, yeah. Frozen 2, and number three. Odd that that's not higher, but okay. Yeah, that's very shocking. Uh, number four, How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. Okay. By DreamWorks. At number five, How the Secret Life of Pets by Illumination. Weird. Yeah. But anyway. I definitely say. I mean, admittedly, you've already gone through the heavy hitters already. Yeah. There can't be that much left. Yeah. The the only sad part, it actually be like it beat out uh, the Lego Movie 2 at number six and Spider Verse at eight. I'm assuming they didn't start counting these numbers until January 1st. I would presume so. Because uh, it made $12 million in a day. Yeah, that's that's barely impressive. I think it, overall gross in the U.S. alone over $120 million overall. So there's no way that's beat out by the secret life of pets. I don't know. One or two. Yeah, either way. But yeah, that's all I've gotten the news so far. Okay. So let's get into the spoiler free section of our review of An American Tale here at the beginning of Don Bluth Month. Yes. Oh. Uh, your thoughts. My thoughts. Man, this was a film that I thoroughly enjoyed as a kid. Mm-hmm. And honestly, be like, I remembered some of it, but forgot half of it, like you do as a kid. Yeah. And revisiting again. It was a joyful, very dark movie, like any Don Bluth film. For the most part, it's very dark. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, it starts off with some of the scariest imagery I think I've ever seen in a kid's movie. Yeah, that's true. With cats killing mice in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> well, things are kind of hard in Russia anyway. Yeah. Why did the why did the Cossack cats sound like dogs? That's a very good question. <laughs> I guess that's really uh, was more lions, but the first thought that came across my mind was dogs. But anyway, yeah, it was it was a very odd choice, and it was like that didn't sound like a cat at all. But, no, but either way, anyway. either way, um, yeah, enjoyable film. the The journey of uh, our our main character Fievel, and having to correct myself from saying Fievel when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, his journey of trying to find his family and missing them at every turn. Yes, and. You know, well, I will, I'll touch into a few more things when our spoiler, our uh, spoiler-free review of this film later on. Mm-hmm. But as I mean, like I enjoyed this film. It's definitely family-friendly to an extent. Being this is a Don Bluth movie, it's going right. to be really, really dark. <laughs> oh yes. What are your thoughts, Drew? I mean, it's a very fun movie. Like most Don Bluth films, it's a little more adorable adult than you expect it to be a little more of a grown-up thing it's very much a 
we respect the kids to put up with the evil, evil, evil thing just so, just so we can have fun later on. Yeah. It's a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's just, it's, you kind of forget the darker tones that this movie has, which is probably why I kind of forgot about half of half to three quarters of this movie. And since uh, I saw it one, the one or two times I saw it as a kid. Yeah. Because let's face it. I prefer the sequel. <laughs> yes. Movie. I, I think most people do. Yeah. Cause it's a lot more fun and not as anyway. It's it's a good fun movie and I I would suggest it to most people. Just keep in mind with kids, it's going to be darker than you probably remember if you've yeah. seen it before. And some of the films that we're going to review in this month, uh definitely The Secret of Nim is exceedingly dark, which I haven't ever seen. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I think I saw it as a kid, but don't re- kind of like American Tale, mm-hmm. be like I remember very little of the film, but I remember it just being very dark and very scary. Right. And oddly enough, the next film that we're watching is the first film I saw in theaters. The next thing we're reviewing. But anyways, so let's go into our spoiler-free review. You mean spoiler-filled Spoiler-filled. I apologize. Spoiler-filled section of American Tale. The following is a spoiler-filled review of An American Tale. Listener discretion is advised. An American Tale was directed, of course, by Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. He, at one time, his very first role as a director was uh-huh. he was the animation director, uncredited, on the original Pete's Dragon. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, the screenplay and story was written by uh, Judy Freudberg and Tony Geis. I am probably mispronouncing those names. My apologies. <laughs> they were both writers on Sesame Street at one time. Huh. The also writing the story was uh, David Kirshner, who was a producer on the movie Hocus Pocus. Really? Mm-hmm. The music was by James Horner, and the main thing I recognize that name from is his uncredited composing role on for the music to Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek III The Search for Spock. Huh. The cast I have in the order they appeared because that's the order it was on IMDb. All right. Uh, for the primary Mouskowitz family, uh, I'm just going to let you know right now, they were mostly extras in everything they were in, having small roles. But I did at least find some things. Uh, Erica Yan played Mama Mouskowitz. And the thing I saw that some people might recognize is in the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I have not seen, she played uh, Madame Ruby. I'm guessing you hadn't seen it either. No. Okay, good. So I'm not alone. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah Persoff played Papa Mouskowitz. And I just have written that he was in a lot of stuff. Okay. <laughs> Nothing that stood out to me that people might recognize him from. All right. Uh, Amy Green played Tanya Mouskowitz, Fievel's sister. And the thing I saw that she was in that I thought was kind of a funny title, and this is one of the things, that's, you know how on INDB it lists what they're known for? Yeah. Well, after An American Tale, it listed Newhart, where she played Ranger Girl. Okay. I feel sorry for her. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Philip Glasser, of course, played Fievel Mouskowitz. And in a m- movie called Hang... Or, sorry, a television show called Hang Tom, this was his most prolific role on IMDb. Yeah. He played a character named Eugene Brown. 
Eugene Brown. I have never even heard of this show. It's just that was the thing he had the most credits for outside of an American tale. Huh. So now that we've gone over the four people whose names you probably don't recognize, (laughs) not to be mean, (laughs) here's a name you will definitely recognize. All right. Christopher Plummer played Henri. You know, the pigeon. Oh. Supposedly building the, uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. He's building the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Uh, he play he, in uh, the sound of sorry, backing up. In Knives Out, he plays Harlan Thrombey, which since I have now seen that movie, yeah, I can tell you that that is the guy who gets murdered in that movie. Oh, okay. they're trying to solve the mur- murder, uh, trying to solve who. Oh, did okay. It. Uh, in the Sound of Music, he played Captain Von Trapp. Oh, okay, yeah. And in and because I have to bring up a Star Trek reference if I know it, of course. In Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, my favorite Star Trek movie, he plays General Chang, the villain. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, okay. He has been in Klingon prosthetics. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Anyway, I got gotcha. you. Uh, John Finnegan played Warren T. Rat, and apparently in the television show Columbo, he played Barney. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In uh, sorry, uh, Will Ryan plays Digit. You know the little croc- cockroach that that's does right. all his calculations. Yeah, that's right. And apparently, he played Petrie in The Land Before Time. Oh, okay. And a seahorse in The Little Mermaid. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. uh, Hal Smith plays Mo. You know the guy that was running the sweatshop. For oh the yeah, the 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 the, uh, the switch up which uh, Philo gets thrown into. Yeah, two houses above. His, yeah, his, where his family is living. Yeah, literally they go past their like, door. Yeah, uh, he was the owl. He was owl in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Okay, and if you've ever watched the Andy Griffith show, he plays town drunk Otis Campbell. Wow. Okay. Uh. Pat Music plays Tony Tapony. That's the his the friend that renames him Philly. Yeah, yeah Philly. Hey, Philly. Yeah, <laughs> he played the teacher in the a recent DreamWorks movie, Mister Peabody and Sherman. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Catherine Bloor plays his girlfriend Bridget, and apparently in the old cartoon Jim and the Holograms, which oh. I hear is truly outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get that pun in there. Um, she played Aha Leith, Kimber Bitten, and Ashley, which I'm assuming are actually all the same character. But I don't know because I never watched Gem and the Holograms. Either. Me either. And for those. For all I know, that's the misfits that were all the bad guys. Because yeah, I could see them all being sung by one person. <laughs> well, according what I under what I read on um, animationmagazine.com, apparently, mm-hmm. I think it was like one of the. One of them died. I don't yeah, one of them one. recently died. One of them recently died. But it's died. not so this one. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Neil Ross plays Honest John. That name sounds really familiar. Well, it should for you. Okay. He played Bone Crusher, Hood, Springer, and Slag oh! in The Transformers, the, the movie. movie. Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. I had to feel like that was the pick. <laughs> Uh, Madeline Kahn plays Gussie Mouseheimer. Mm-hmm. In the movie Blazing Saddles, she plays Lily Von Stupp. Wow. 
And in my favorite Halloween movie that I watch every year, Young Frankenstein, she plays Elizabeth. Okay. Very interesting. And last, but most certainly not least, Dom DeLuise plays Tiger. Oh, <laughs> Tiger. <laughs> and because I had just looked up a bunch of Mel Brooks movies, I went with his Mel Brooks mo- role, Brooks movie role. In Spaceballs, he plays Pizza the Hut. <laughs> Pizza the Hut. Uh, Which I did not realize that was Dom DeLuise when I watched it. So, basically, in summary... All of our main characters are very... Are people you've never heard heard of of. before, while everyone on the sidelines had major careers. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So it's backwards from how this list usually goes. Yeah, usually. Yes. That's interesting. So, uh, do we go into your part and then the synopsis? Um... You usually let's, do this part and yeah. I kind of zone out because I'm usually looking at the computer. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll do, we'll do my part and then we'll go into, uh, Kay. synopsis. Okay. So... To give audience a little bit of who this Don Bluth is, because we've actually done one of his films before, Anastasia. I have better opinions of this movie than I did Anastasia, <laughs> for those of you who are worried. <laughs> okay, then. All right. So, Don Bluth, born September 13th, 1937. Man, he's old. Um, no kid. <laughs> uh, he's an American animator, film director, producer, writer, uh, designer, Video game designer, animation instructor. He's also known for his um, directing animation classes such as Secret of Nim, our movie American Tale, Lamp for Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Anastasia. And also, he was involved in the Laserdisc game Dragon's Lair back in 1982, 1983. I'm sorry. And um, it's two sequels Dragon's Lair 2 and Dragon's Lair 3 Time, or sorry, Dragon's Lair 2 Time Warp. Yeah. And then Dragon's Lair 3, who's subtitle i can't remember yeah and space ace yeah that's right and there's one other one and i can't think of the name anyway <laughs> yeah he's also in production to come out supposedly yeah. this year according to imdb we'll see if it happens dragon's lair the movie yeah it's i'm very interested to see if that actually does happen if it does that's gonna be cool yeah um yeah be like he uh he was formerly a uh walt disney production animator until like the like the middle uh, early mid late um, early to mid eighties when he quit and brought and took half the animation crew from Disney and created his own studio. So this man has and it was after that that they barely got the Little Mermaid out. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And so when Disney went its dark ages, Bluth went. He's like, Nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. It took half everybody else with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, that is the the man behind the directorial of the movie we're doing for the rest of the month. And so, let's get into a little bit of the budget and a few more little things about this film. All right. All right. All right. So, this movie was... Per, uh, production was held by Ambient Studios, which is... Amblin? Amblin. Sorry. Yes. Amblin Studios. Amblin Entertainment, I apologize, Amblin Entertainment, which is uh, ran primarily by Steven Spielberg. And named after Steven Spielberg's student film, in case you didn't know. I didn't know that. And also Sullivan Bloom Incorporated, mm-hmm. which that is one of Don Blue's studios. Distributed uh, by Universal Pictures. Uh, it was released on November 21st, 
1986 with a budget of six million dollars. On its opening week, it had it grossed five plus million dollars. Mm-hmm. Its U.S. gross was seventy-five million dollars and change, and its worldwide gross was eighty-four million dollars and a chunk of change. All right. So yeah, it 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 made its budget back in bunches of money. Right. But also the fact that every time Don Luke did a movie, he had to close the studio and make another studio. Like, every time. That does not seem the way to run a company. No, it's not. But apparently, I've actually watched like a documentary over him. And uh, yeah, every time he would do a studio, he'd do one or two films and he'd have to shut it down and make another one. So, That's yeah. That's weird. That is weird. So I'm gonna have to watch this documentary to find out why. <laughs> yeah, I think you find it on. I think it's on. Either watch it on YouTube or it was on a podcast I listened to once. Okay, but either way, either way, this man has pro- been prolific as an animator and animation director, and also he directed Titan E, which was a movie I really enjoyed. That's Re- a weird movie. It is a very weird. Movie. I've watched the movie three times in theaters. I know. Okay. I, I'm weird. I know. That's fine. I didn't catch it till it was on home video, and I rented it one time and thought, well, that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, basically the movie that ruined, that basically ended Don Blue's career. For now. For now. Anyway. Anyways. On to the synopsis. Yeah. Five Mouskowitz and his family are living in Russia until they get attacked by a horde of Cossack cats. So they make their way to Germany and get on a boat to go to America where, for some reason, they believe that there are no cats. They have been lied to. <laughs> in the meantime, while they're on the boat, about five feet from shore, essentially, which is forever in mouse dimensions, yeah. uh, Fievel gets washed off the boat because he won't listen to his father. Or Papa. <laughs> Papa, yes. So... Now his family and him will have to find, believe dead by his family. His parents go into New York City mm-hmm. to try and live their life. And Fievel goes on an adventure to find his family where they continually keep missing each other. Eventually, they do at least get rid of a few cats in America, few- but not all of <laughs> them. Because yes. at least we have Tiger, yes. who everybody likes. Like, yeah. Who will eventually in the sequel go on to be a dog. That is weird. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is a serious movie about immigration for kids. Yes. (laughs) Also, apparently, there are no cats in America, which is complete. I already said this, but it's complete cat poop. (laughs) Yeah. It belongs in the the kitty litter. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Anyway. All right. What is the first thing you liked about this movie? Ugh. What I like about this first thing I like about this movie. Uh, all right. So my number one would actually be all the close calls that go on through this movie. There's like, I don't know how many are in this film of where Fievel and his family basically are crossing paths and they don't notice it. Yeah. Just the genius of like, it's like, look up people. Yeah. Move the fat lady out of the way <laughs> at the, at the big rally. How did you not hear him? Anyway, yeah, it's, it's. I recognize this. It was not a electronically amplified rally, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was up there for how long, and they still didn't see him because of yeah. the big fat lady. Yeah, either it was the the big lady or a big fluff. Be like, just move her feathers. Yes, 
But yes, Tanya, move the stinking feathers. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I think it's my my first uh mm-hmm. my first like of this film. What's yours? The animation in this is so well done for its time. Oh, agreed. This came agreed. out in what'd you say, nineteen eighty six? Eighty six. I mean, we're not quite at the Disney level of polish, mind no. you, even for 86. But when you consider this came out around the same time as another mouse movie that Disney put out, The yeah. Great Mouse Detective, which go check out that episode for that review. Yeah. Thoughts on it. Looking at the difference in how they animated the mice, mm-hmm. I kind of like how it looks here a little bit better than how it looked there. Yeah. Now, this is a much more serious story, and they are involving much more other animals. Yeah. But the animation is smooth. It's, you never, it never draws, never um, throws you out of the movie like sometimes Don Bluth can do. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it's still a fun movie. And I love, uh, the animation is nice. There's never a point in time where you can tell they're holding this cell while other stuff is going on. There's always animation going, which right. is not always the case with some stuff. Even Disney makes uh, will make cheat like that sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and the early use of the CG for the shot going around the Statue of Liberty. Oh, that was, was genius. amazing, even though I thought the blinking eye was a bit much. Yeah, just... Or winking just, eye, actually. Yeah, honestly, I thought that was like just... They were doing kind of like a rotoscope. But like just Yeah, but I that looked like it was... It looked like it was handled much like the computer animation technically was done in um, Great Mouse Detective. Okay. Except it was just the rotation of them going around the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So, and of course, they have those dimensions. I'm sure they can get a hold of the dimensions of that thing and know mm. exactly how wide everything is. So they can make a pretty accurate uh, model of it and then just, you know, print that out on the, on like, like Great Mouse Detective, where they actually yeah. just printed the the three the three dimensional wireframes and yeah. then colored it in. That's what it looked like to me. That's the only part where you're going, okay, that's a little different. Yeah. But at the same time it was a very good use of it and it did kind of was a nice way to end the movie. Okay. So yeah. Uh I would I would point out that with uh American Tell and those supplement movies throughout the eighties literally gave Disney a run for its money. Yes. Like, when Don Bluth opened his studios and started doing films with um, The Secret of Nim, be like, it literally, be like, because of his efforts, nearly put the Disney Animation Studio out of business. Mm-hmm. And they were going to shut down the animation department because of it. Because they weren't selling. Or they uh-huh. weren't selling as well as they were. But, so I thought I would like to bring that up. All right. Okay, what's your second like? All right, my second like would be the realism. The realism in this mm-hmm. film that, you know, it is a dark film. It it doesn't shy away from, you know, using violent tones or uh, using, you know, the seedy underbelly of New York City in the the mouse level. of You have extortioners like our villain who, mm-hmm. you know, pretends to be a mouse or a rat when actually he's a cat. Or for that matter, Honest John, who is yeah. the definition of the seedy politician. Yeah, I mean, heck, we see we his introduction scene is oh, it's so bad that this kid never got to vote. 
I'll oh, see yeah, to it that he now gets to vote from now on. on. It's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're you've got ulterior motives, but uh, you're still better than the than the uh the, the cat gangster who th- who's pretending to be a rat. Yeah. Yeah, just I, I I love the idea that you have it definitely doesn't go to the Disney route of be like, oh, everything's nice and kind except your villain. Yeah. Who's who's, you know, kind of nasty. But like everything in this movie is nasty. The fact that like one, he gets thrown into a, a, a sweatshop and mm-hmm. then he has to, you know, navigate New York and everybody's kind of like, you know, rude and just suspicious of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this is set in like the early I guess of presume probably the early 20s said at the beginning that i think right. it said like 1918 because so it's before I, that's going to be around world war one yeah the very end of war one actually yeah so this would that would be a good I mean, obviously new york's not built up yet from because yeah. it's not recovered it's not roaring 20s yet no even it's going to be very going quickly to be very soon yeah which ironically they'll leave before that point but uh, yeah so yeah, I I, thir- I thoroughly enjoy the realism of the grime and the whole it, everything's not polished. Everything's mm-hmm. not polished. It's got this grime and grit to it that gives you this you know kind of a dread of like what am I stepping into? Like oh my gosh, Pebbles going to get lost. He's going to die at some point. Yeah, and you know there's a few points in my dislikes. I'm going to point that out sometimes, but. Yeah, just the 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 seedy realism of this film mm-hmm. and how it just. Makes it even worse. Yeah. Of a good film. What's your number two? My number two, my second like, The Mouse of Minsk. <laughs> the Mouse of Minsk. Yes. Okay. I love how we, Papa tells that story of the yeah. Mouse of Minsk that would scare off cats. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And you think it's like, okay, he's just telling a, st- a story to get them happy for Hanukkah. You know, right. bedtime story, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. About this brave giant mouse that would scare off the cats. Yeah. See, by the time they're on the boat, you're already, you're not even thinking of that anymore. No, you're not. Until the very end, where it's very obvious that Fievel told Madeline Kahn Mouse that story right yeah. quick. And it's like, oh, I think we could do something like that. Yeah. And then, apparently, no one in the Mousekowitz family put two and two together and thought, Hey, we just talked about this about six months ago uh, when we were in Russia. Now we've built one. <laughs> and I didn't even think of that until they finally get out of the, uh, wherever they're building it, that shed. Yeah. Not shed. It was an old, old Oddities uh, thing on the dock. Yeah. Oddities Museum on the dock. And uh, it's you can see on the side, the Mouse of Minsk. Written in English, ironically. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. I s- now I know what this is. Uh-huh. It's still a bit ridiculous that a bunch of mice were able to build a giant mouse <laughs> mech in 19- early pre- pre-1920s New York, and nobody saw it, but... Everybody's I will too afraid of the cats, apparently? I will let it go, considering... That's not as impressive as the mice in Cinderella build, dra- making her dress. So, yeah. Mice have a tendency to do very large things for some reason. Yeah, you kind of wonder how that happened. Yeah. But anyway. Eh, either way. What's your number three? My number three would be... Um, oh, yeah. 
So my number three would actually be Fivevolt himself. Mm-hmm. The one he's a little ki- he's a little kid mouse who, like you said earlier, does not listen to his does not listen to his papa. He doesn't listen to anybody. He listens yeah. to his own tune. But man, this little guy is brave. <laughs> Like he goes a little up, too brave, a little too brave for his own good, <laughs> and a little too cocky. Considering what gets him thrown off the boat in the first place is like, oh, I'm looking for my hat. Whoop! Throws it off <laughs> upstairs into the water. It's like, uh, Fimo, you just signed your almost death warrant. <laughs> almost, but you might have survived if you just walked up there and looked. But because you had to go after your hat, yeah. Oh, I've got to go see the fish. <laughs> What do you do? You just saw fish. Yeah. In a barrel. <laughs> yeah. Which oddly if he gets carried away by a fish off the boat. <laughs> Either way, the, the fact that you we, get what you wish for. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Be very careful. Yeah. Anyway. The uh yeah, just the the fact that like when Fibel hears about like, oh, these cats are attacking our house when they're in Russia, the yeah. Oh my gosh, he literally just jumps out, grabs a pan, whatever, starts running after them be like that's a brave little mouse and i mean like he's got some guts he's a little bit stupid but he's yeah. a kid it's understandable but at the same time it's like wow be like what if i'm myself doing that as a kid probably not but at the same time be like wow this this little mouse has got some guts yeah <laughs> and um i think that carries through like most of the film where he does have this very He's a very uh, he's a very brave character and willing to do things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, most of the time it gets him in trouble, but more often than not, it kind of helps at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, Fievel's bravery would definitely be my number three. Okay. What's your number three? My number three is a song. Uh. Most of the songs in this are kind of just okay. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, that's true. But then you get to somewhere out there. Agreed. That one is a nostalgia trip and a half. That is true. I, now, admittedly, I know the song mostly from the sequel because they re, they reprise it in yeah. Bible Goes West. Yeah. But I remember hearing this song on the radio when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's a classic song, and it does kind of bring a tear to the eye. Yeah, that's true. But it's still just such a nice, sweet song that really encapsulates... Uh, the feelings of the characters in this movie on both sides. Okay. That's just my feeling on it. Cause that, that, I just like that song uh, somewhere out there. It's just a f- nice song. Yeah. And plus the animation on the, on that film on the, and the scene particularly is very well done. Yes. Where they're, they're doing this overlay of all these different elements mm-hmm. and making them just flow in the rotation of almost a 360 shot. Yeah. Of, um, yeah, this movie did a lot animation wise, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're going from the good to the bad. Yes. So, what is your number one, Drew? My number one dislike. My number one dislike is a very good question. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'll just go with that. The, the rest of the music does not live up to, my, to uh, somewhere out there. Okay. You get right down to it. I mean, you've got uh, There Are No Cats in America yeah. that they play... That one time with, and they bring in other people singing from saying, talking about the, the horrible things that happened to them with cats. Mm-hmm. But now they've all bought into the lie that somehow there are no cats in America. Yeah. And apparently the streets are paved with cheese. 
which is like, I know what they're saying. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I know that they're putting this, ut- what there is their utopian image on. Oh yeah. What they think America is. And of course it's never going to live up to that. Oh yeah. But, uh, that song just kind of just go, comes and goes and I, don't even think about it. Yeah. It's probably the only other memorable song in the movie for me because I remember that uh chorus and it will come up randomly. Yeah. Uh you get most of the rest of the songs are almost not memorable. The next one that is might be good is Never Say Never, and that's only because Christopher Plummer is singing. Ah. <laughs> gotcha. And then and that's only an okay song. Yeah. It's not something I would sing outside uh, outside sing along with on if it was on the car radios yeah. somewhere the same can be said with duo which is you know the one between fievel and oh tiger. yeah yeah tiger yeah which the entire time actually i did think somebody needs to mash up that song with scenes from with with uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. Oh gosh, this last trilogy of Star Wars films. Because yes, that would be funny as heck. Yes, that would. Uh, Somebody get on top of that ASAP. Yes, yes indeed. Um, and and I know there's a couple other songs, but for the life of me, I can't remember what they are. Yeah, for a musical to have this few songs out of all the songs it has that yeah. are memorable. That's pretty sad. That is. That I is mean, very true. Admittedly, I'm comparing it to stuff like Frozen, in which it's got, what, five songs, and four of them are good? Yeah, that's true. Uh, or even Frozen 2, that even though it had about eight songs, it had five good ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or... Um, think of most Disney songs. Most Disney, Disney's very good about having stuff. I'm trying to think of non-Disney stuff that's not, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Uh, <laughs> but I can't think of anything off the top of my head, so yeah. forgive me there. But it's this has about three songs out of what I think is ten songs. That. Around ten songs, and only three of them, maybe four at most, yeah. have any sort of remembrance of afterward, and only two are singable. And I would be debatable on the second one. Yeah. Only one of them ever made it to the radio. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, it's that's what I to me a musical you're supposed to be able to have a lot of memorable songs to sing along to. Yeah, and this just only has really one and a half songs. I got so, you. Yeah, what's your number one? Um, uh, well, I think you, you know, I think you took my point on an accident. Was uh, yeah, there the the songs are okay. The songs yeah. are okay. Like I'm not gonna reiterate what you just said because that's exactly my 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 exact points. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. The soundtrack is okay. Be like, yeah, it's it's done by uh, Horner. Well, that's the thing is, well, I know James Horner did the score. Yeah, I could not find in my research who yeah. wrote the songs because the songs are always credited differently from the score. Yes, his score is fine. Yeah, I think I think, but Horner, I don't. Whoever wrote the songs just did not do that well. Yeah. Oh, I I, I agree with you on that. And uh, yeah, definitely, I, I would. I'm going along your, your with your tune on yeah. the number one of like the songs are okay and they're not exactly memorable, all except for somewhere out there. Yeah, is the song that kind of pops in your head. But there again, and the animation behind those songs is yeah. amazing. What's your number two? 
My number two dislike is actually our villain. Oh, okay. Warren T-Rat, for what he is, has one scene that's supposed to kind of, his character yeah. is supposed to be the guy that but that makes you feel like you're going some like like he's a good guy. Oh and yeah. And then completely back uh, backstabs you and puts you in heck. A, they put the backstabbing a little too fast. Yeah. Throwing him in the true. sweatshop. Yeah. And then the fact that he's actually a cat, while it makes sense that that's not revealed until the end. Right. It doesn't. He's a disappointment. He, he doesn't get much time to villainize. If you're going to, ha- as a villain, he doesn't get much time to be a villain. He has one dastardly thing he does at the beginning. So he's like, oh, and. Like immediately after that, you get all these other things where, where that are yeah. one-time hits. So it's like, why is this guy the one we're focusing on as yeah. the villain in the climax when he's only had one other scene? Yeah, that's and true. they've only other talked about him one other time. Yeah, he's basically underdeveloped villain. He's an underdeveloped villain. I mean, the actor who plays him does a very good job yeah. with what he's given, but the fact that he's even a cat at the end is not even that shocking to be honest i mean yeah. the animation of him taking the nose off and then do undoing the thing it, that lets it, his ears go yeah that's cool that is really good yes but it does not have the impact it should because we did not have him up to that point with the exception of one other scene yeah that's my thoughts on it what's your number two dislike my number two dislike would be what i'm calling the disappearing cheese things Appearing and disappearing throughout scenes with no logical step behind it. You mean like Fievel's hat that he conveniently exactly. leaves places and then all of a sudden he has it in the next scene. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the fact <laughs> that was my number three. <laughs> <laughs> so be like to set it up is like Fievel gets thrown off the boat. Yeah. He loses his hat and you find him in the bottle and then with that. Yeah. With the hat. But I can, that one, I will let slide. Yeah, it wouldn't even be his head. <laughs> miraculously, he ends up in a bottle somewhere high ab- uh, on the torch of the Statue of Liberty while it's still on the ground. You know what? That's just miraculous enough. I'll let the fact yeah. that he, he magically got his hat back. Yeah. I'll put that in with that. Yeah. But there's there's so many points where Fiebel loses his hat. And yeah. there, there's a point where our uh, Fiebel's little buddy, I can't remember his name. Tony? Tony. Tony, literally, he's hes talking with his his crush, and he's talking with Fiebel again, and he throws his cheese up, and it never comes back. Well, he could have thrown it up, and it fell back off screen. Yeah, but at the same time. Technically. Yeah, it looked like he was literally going to toss the cheese, but it never goes back. So there's a lot of inconsistency where items go and they don't yeah. come. Yeah, definitely like Fiebel's hat, Fiebel's hat Fiebel's where it's just, it, yeah. it's, it, it's like he loses it and automatically like, teleports right back to his hand like a few mm-hmm. scenes later. Like in the, uh, where he goes, he mistakenly, okay, interesting. All right. That so, was for last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I didn't turn off. Whoops. <laughs> so, yeah, Fiebel's hat has, uh, a, Fiebel's hat disappears so often it's not even funny mm-hmm. and magically it returns to him yes like it just teleports right back to his hand and a few scenes later mm-hmm. after he's been through heck and back yes 
He gets uh, his hat back. I'm I'm going to go ahead and talk about my number three. Okay, go for it. I don't it. mean to jump in on no, you, no, but it's go related. Ahead. It's related. Go for it. My number three specifically is the scene where he goes down into the sewer. Yeah. And then goes and finds out that, you know, Warren is, is actually a cat. When he gets, when he hears the playing of the thing and he's going over there. Yeah, the violin. It's got to be popping. He down there. He takes the hat off, sets it down. Yeah, he leaves it. And then leaves it. And he, as he goes down into it. And, all, and I'm just going, Fievel, you forgot your hat. <laughs> Fievel, you forgot your hat. <laughs> and then five seconds later, you can tell it's like the animator's like, okay, yeah, he's got to have his hat. Okay, here's the hat. Where <laughs> did you get this magical teleporting hat? And why is it not teleporting you back to your family? <laughs> yeah. If it's got this amount of powers to follow you, surely it has interdimensional travel to get where you, you actually are wanting to go. But no, that is not the case. It's literally animators not keeping track yeah. of their assets. Yeah, exactly. Which is a mistake uh-huh. <laughs> it is a big mistake and admittedly kids are probably not gonna notice that no i'm only noticing it because i'm keeping and i've been keeping an eye on that hat all movie <laughs> long because obviously it's important yeah it's an important thing to me it was this hanukkah gift he's kept up with it. it's a part of his look yeah as uh as a character as, as a character aesthetic. part of his thing when he leaves it somewhere, you're going, okay, where did it go? Yeah. Why is he, he going to get it back? Why is he going to get it back? Because they do a lot of good jobs in many scenes where they literally thought through how he gets the hat back. Yeah. And then there's this scene. Yeah. The where it's just, he leaves the hat, walks off. Three minutes later, he's got the hat back. In yeah. His hand. That's true. Like they remembered, oh, yeah, he did take the hat off, didn't he? Yes. We'll just put it in his hand. Yeah. So he can put or it back on a rock- strap or something like that. Something. <laughs> and plus the hat doesn't even fit his head. <laughs> it even doesn't even fit his head at the end when he finally figures out, oh, I can stick my ears up to hold the hat on. <laughs> That's not fitting the hat. That's No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, way, what's your number three dislike? All right, so number three was how the heck did survival survive this movie? For how many times watching this film... Protagonist shielding. Yeah. Plot That's armor. Pretty much. <laughs> there are so many scenes where, like, when he first gets thrown off, thrown out of the ship, he's never been in the ocean. He probably does not even know how to swim. Exactly. So when he's floating away, you know, Papa, Papa, and I'm... The thing that popped in my head the first How are you still above water? (laughs) Exactly. The the thing that popped in my head was the ending of a Looney Tunes short. It's like this character is dead. Let me do it for you. That's all, folks. He's dead. Can he say that? Is he legally allowed to say that? No. If this was the Warner Brothers, maybe. Nope, this uh, is Universal. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that movie eventually at some point around our an- first year anniversary. Wait. Oh, that's not the one I was quoting, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I was quoting Spider-Verse. Oh, you were. That's right. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. But yeah, there, there's so many points that Fievel has plot armor to where he literally falls to his death. Yes. And it's like, this mouse is dead. There's no way to come back. Oh, he's alive again. What the heck? 
It's and like it's dude, not even like they do a good job of explaining how he survived. It's yeah. never oh, he randomly was able to grab onto a cloth and it worked like a parachute. It was never he bounced on a trampoline like surface when he got oh, to yeah. the ground. It was always he falls and you see him walking in the next scene. It's yeah. like how? Yeah. <laughs> there again, plot armor. Very much so. And plot armor stinks. <laughs> Like a cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Despite the fact I actually like cats. <laughs> so apparently he's a... Uh, there are cats in America. America. Do not delude yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, wow. I got myself... My apologies. No, 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 no. Yeah. I was trying to think of a clever name to call... Uh, yeah. Iron Mouse. <laughs> I am Iron Mouse. Yeah, so that's one of my big issues is that, you know, Philo has plot armor so thick that nothing can touch him. Yeah. Because we had to have this happy ending at the very end of the film. A happy ending which could have occurred five other times. Exactly. Which is, admittedly, I like how they handle oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's genius. And it's very well written in there, but yes. at the same time, as a viewer, it's very frustrating. It's oh. like, look up, look around. <laughs> Do you not hear your son's voice, Papa? <laughs> Mama, are you deaf? <laughs> Tanya, you're the smartest mouse in this family besides Fievel. Actually, you're smarter than Fievel, because you yes. stayed with your parents. <laughs> yes. However, you don't hear your brother's voice? You're the only one who thinks he's still alive. Stupid, stupid Mouskowitz. <laughs> wow, I actually heard Drew go on a rant. <laughs> a little one. It's just a thing. <laughs> just a thing. Uh, it's yes. a bit of logic. It's like, how are all four of these mice deaf? <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very, very true. So, yeah, I think that comes to... Um, the end of our review. I think it does too. I, th- I think so. I think um, we've gone to you know very depths, very good depths. What about this film. is your rating for this? Oh, my rating. Remember, we use a ten point scale, unlike the other show. Yes, uh, I'm very aware of that. So this movie, even though it has a few flaws, and you know you have a mouse that has ar- plot armor, the thickest of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going to give it an eight. An eight. Okay. Yeah, because it's just. It's a re- amazingly well done film that has this very moving, touching story of a young mouse trying to find his family, even though he's an idiot. Yes, uh, it's ingenious. The animation just wow blows my ever living mind how they did this, mm-hmm. and especially it's not a Disney movie. It's uh, Disney esque. It's Disney esque because you have a lot of Disney people people behind it. But other than that, it's just a genius movie that's very beloved by those people who know about this film. Mm-hmm. And if you've never heard of the American Tale, go find it. It's not hard to find. You can find if, it on Amazon. If you you've can... only ever watched Five O Goes West, yes. go back and look at this one because this is actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's on a streaming platform somewhere. It is on Amazon for that. It is available for rent on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, that's like right. three ninety nine. Okay, that's not which, bad. admittedly, is what I ended up doing, despite the fact you let me borrow the DVD. Because as soon as I put the DVD in, and I saw the words it "is for men from it, this film has been modified to fit your television." I thought, "Oh great, it's full screen. I can't do full screen." 
Let me see if this is streaming somewhere. I didn't even think to look at this before. It is. Okay. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, if you're interested in American Tale, go check it out. It's a really amazing, wonderful film. Uh, it is family friendly. Yes. Uh, it does deal with dark themes. Uh, it's a very dark film. Be like the color and everything's very dark. But it's still a good film that fam- that families can, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy on a uh, nice afternoon and just maybe educate your kids about, you know, early immigration, the 20th century. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So that brings us. Oh, I still got to do mine. Yes, you do. Uh. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this is a very good, fun movie. I'm probably going to give it a seven. Okay. I'm rating it a bit lower because uh, I don't have the nostalgia binge for Don Bluth that you've got. Okay. <laughs> and I just kind of, I, to me, it's kind of just an okay movie. I gotcha. It's uh does not hold a cup of water to Five All Goes West, in my opinion. But it's still a good movie. It's still yeah. enjoyable. Uh yeah, go watch it. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's but it's only okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. It's still passing by a long yeah. shot. It's yeah. like a B if I was to give it an A uh, school grade. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the Cellcast. Uh under in under normal circumstances, and we will be returning to this come February, mm-hmm. we would now be rolling for our next movie. However, considering this is the last of our four theme months, mm-hmm. uh, and this was actually your, this month was your choice, yes. Jacob, why don't you tell us what our next movie is? All right. The first, mo- the second movie of this month will be The Land Before Time. The first of 15 movies. The first right? of 15 movies. The first one. The good one. Either we'll way. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway. All right. Uh, so, uh, I forgot to actually put stuff out on Facebook. <laughs> I just realized. Whoops. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye next, uh, hopefully by, uh, I will put stuff up for Land Before Time before, yeah. uh, tonight. So people know to comment on it. But keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um. You can find us over on our uh, website, thecellcast.podbean.com. Uh-huh. There you will find links to uh, to our... Uh, I'm jumping ahead. Yes, you are. Backing up. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, at Drew Dodgen. Um, you can also go to my photo bin. It's just Drew's photo bin, where I take pictures, put them up there when I remember to put them up there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what else? Uh uh, follow me on Letterbox. I'm trying to do a better job about putting myself putting uh, stuff there. Yeah, and uh, follow me on Twitter at ggeorge759. Jacob, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B Heron. That's my personal page. And also, you can find also find me on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to quote unquote draw every day, mm-hmm. which I kind of do like during lunch and breakfast, what have you, but. Yeah, it's it's me trying to hone my skills as an artist. And also, if you are interested in having some art done as our commission, uh, please let me know on that page via Messenger. And uh, we can talk about what you want and get the details fine, um, worked out for that. Also, you find me on Twitter at Jacob Heron. One more, uh, Jacob Heron, you can find that. Um, you can find me... 
on now I'm on Letterbox, mm-hmm. and I haven't posted anything currently, but that will change very quickly. I did post my favorite movie, which is Back to the Future. If anybody knows me, that's a duh. Uh, but uh, other than that, you can find. Um, other than that, uh, I do. I'm a distributor for Young Living Essential Oils. So if you are interested in oils and trying to figure out what you know, what these things are. Get a hold of me on my Facebook page, and we can start a conversation and maybe improve your life a little bit. Okay. So, uh, you can find both of us at theseltcast.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. There you will find links to our uh, to hear us on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, uh, you will find a link to our, our Facebook group, now called double feature podcast community mm-hmm. it is called this because we are also on another podcast yes, we called are the movie of the week podcast yes for all which is a movie that yeah, which is a podcast where we review live action movies yes so if you like what you're hearing me and jacob say and want a third opinion on movies that are mm-hmm. of the more filmed variety instead yeah. of Animation wise, uh, go check us out there. I believe that's at movie of the week podcast.transistor.fm. I believe so. Correctly. I believe so. Uh, also, you can follow, follow that page on Facebook, I believe. Yes. And, and fa- follow our Facebook page. Yes. As well. Uh, also, you can email us at thecellcast.podbean.com. Exactly. No, that's not it. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. There we go. That's better. Um, and I think think that's everything yeah just remember that every time we say cellcast that's with one l yes and also if you have if you enjoy what you're listening to please like and subscribe to your favorite podcast directory and share with your friends share with four five ten a hundred people uh and uh you know get the word out get the word out about what we're doing here and grow and spread this community where we can talk more about animation and what our joys of uh, what made our childhood even better. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, this. Well, I think that's going to round us out. So uh, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. time on <laughs> my stomach is talking <laughs> mine too hmm I wonder what this tastes like ah! <gasps> he is talking oh, no it isn't <laughs> you should not eat talking trees no 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 <laughs> Who are you? Huh? <laughs> my, my name Petrie. <laughs> Petrie, huh? Funny name. <laughs>
I I flied? No, you fall. I fall. <laughs> you cannot fly. But how did you get way up there? I climb. Hmm. But you are a flyer, not a faller. Hot things to fly. <laughs> I guess it is. We can't do it. Nope. We cannot do that, all right.